Bibles, if you would, and I love children, but I love embarrassing them more than anything. And so uh, they embarrassed me all their childhood. Now it's my turn. Okay. <laughs> Revelation chapter number two this morning. Thank you again for being here. And if you're able to stand for the reading of God's word, out of respect, let's stand this morning. And uh, Revelation chapter number two. Now, <clears throat> I, have a, uh, I have a letter here. And uh, this is a special letter because this is a letter from the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was to the church in Thyatira. It's in your Bible. I just put it on paper. <laughs> Some of you are looking at it like, the Lord gave that to you? Yes, he did. It's in the confines of the Word of God. So Revelation chapter number 2, the Bible says in verse number 18, Unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and charity and service and faith, and thy patience and thy works, and alas, to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, <clears throat> as many as have not this doctrine, and, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye already have, hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." You know, letters are special things, especially when they come from somebody that you love and someone that cares so dearly for you. I think about this letter that we're going to look at. If you're visiting with us today, we've been going through these letters that the Lord Jesus wrote to these seven churches in Asia Minor. We've already looked at the church in Ephesus, the church in Smyrna. Last week, we looked at the church in Pergamos. And today, we're in the city of Thyatira. And I want you to think about that this morning as I've entitled today's message, In Love with the World. In Love with the World. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this love letter that we hold in our hands, the Word of God. Thank you for loving us so much that you inspired your word, that you've preserved it to our generation. 
that we are privileged today, unlike other countries in this world and peoples that do not have a copy of God's Word. And Lord, may we, may we accept the message, that receive what you have for us today. Lord, help me to be a vessel that you can use today and speak to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. As you're having a seat there this morning, the Bible says in 1 John 2 and verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Romans 12, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The city of Thyatira was a city that was a very busy city. There was a lot of activity that was going on. It's amazing when you study it out historically, out of all seven of these cities in Asia Minor, it's the one that we know the least about. Yet it was to this city that we know the least about that the Lord actually addresses his longest letter to kind of interesting. You look at some of the other letters to the other churches and it was a, a much shorter amount in that letter that he wrote to those other churches. Thyatira was a city that was known for some things. It was known for its wool industry and it was known for some of the dyes that were produced there. There was a certain shellfish that that shellfish produced a dye and it was that dye that, that along with the waters of Thyatira that made it possible that they could produce colors there that they could not, not produce or reproduce in any other parts of the world during this time. Thyatira is also known for many trades. A lot of the trades that they had back in those days in the city were from various industries, like there were bakers and there were, there were wool makers and, and there were those that dyed the wool and the fabric and those that work with bronze and there were potters and many other trades that were a part of this city known as Thyatira. And it's interesting because they had kind of like even back in those days, they had unionized many of these trades. And it, it is reported that if you did not band together in these unions and set prices, that oftentimes to not do that, would cost you work, or many times you would be unemployed if you would not get involved in some of those uh, activities along with those unions and trades. But along with that, Thyatira was a, a place, a center of occult worship. There was a lot of demonic activity in the city of Thyatira. There was a temple there in the city that was actually dedicated to fortune-telling. And the city of Thyatira is the one that if you look on this map and we see the seven churches, we've been looking at them in historical order, in chronological order. And if you notice, the dates of this would be about 600 A.D. to about 1500 A.D. Now, if you look uh, historically, what you find is this is the period known as the Dark Ages. You can study it out yourself, some of the things that reflect this particular time in human history. We see that it was a time where uh, there was a lot of 
medieval things. I didn't pick this city this week, but it just worked out with the castle theme. God worked that out. But there was a lot of things that were very wicked during this time. There was a lot of barbaric activity that happened during this time known as the Dark Ages from about 600 to 1500 A.D. And it was with all of this going on that God placed a church right in the midst of this darkness. Now, I think about our church, and we live in a world that is, because of sin, it's a dark place. And God has placed His church there to be the light. The Bible says that we're a city set on a hill, that we should let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. God intended for this church in Thyatira to be that lighthouse, to be that, that beacon of hope in such a dark time as it was in human history. And we see that, uh, you study it out, you don't, we don't really know historically who it was that founded this church. Now, if you study, you go back to the book of Acts, you find in chapter 16, uh, a portion of scripture there where there was a lady by the name of Lydia. The Bible identifies her as a seller of purple. And she was from the city of Thyatira. And some people believe that maybe what happened was that after Lydia had been in Philippi, that she carried the gospel, that she took the good news, that maybe she went back and told people in Thyatira about the Lord Jesus Christ. Other people believe that maybe it was some of the believers from Ephesus that had gone to Thyatira and maybe evangelized that area that we're going to look at today. But one thing we do know for sure is whether or not it was a city that was founded by a woman, we do know this from the passage we just read, that it was certainly a place that was being confounded by a woman. You, you study the scriptures and we'll see this morning that there was a serious problem in this city and in this church, and it was to this church that the Lord comes with a word that was tailored just for them. It was a, trying to meet the need of what was going on there. Now notice in verse number 18 again, the words that, that the letter begins with, under the angel of the church in Thyatira, right, these things saith, notice, the Son of God, who's, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. And you study in uh, maybe back in the day when maybe you used to write letters, oftentimes the way you start a letter kind of sets the tone for that entire letter. It's interesting how the Lord begins this letter to this church. And the wording that he uses there, really, he reminds them of a couple things about himself. Notice, first of all, he says the Son of God. He calls himself the Son of God. Now, part of it is because there was a, a lot of worship of Apollo at, at, at this time, and Apollo was known as the Son God. And so what he does is he addresses himself as the Son of God, to not confuse the difference between who he was, what he was doing was he was reminding those in Thyatira of that he alone is worthy of worship. And by the way, when you study the Word of God, 
that, that even though they didn't really believe who Jesus was, in the New Testament, the Bible says that they worshiped the Lord, even at the birth of Christ, the wise men came and they worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ, and today, man is not worthy of worship, but God certainly is. He's the only one. And that's why they, they felt like Jesus was being blasphemous, because people were worshiping him, and the truth is, he is God, he was God in the flesh, and he is worthy of our worship. And so he mentions himself as the Son of God. Then he says, secondly, about himself, that he has eyes like unto a flame of fire. What that reminds them in Thyatira and us today is, is that he, being God, sees everything. God sees it all. This morning, can I tell you, and it's a sobering thought, God knows what's in your heart today. God knows what's going on in your life. God knows what's going on in this church. And the Bible says that he is one that is, has eyes like a flame of fire. And he, he knew the works of their hands, their entire retire, and the motives and the thoughts of their hearts. And then he describes himself as having feet like fine brass. And brass, and of course, uh, you see that, that, that brass oftentimes is symbolic of judgment. That, that along with our God is, is that God is love. But God is just. And because of what was going on in Thyatira, certainly there would be the judgment of, the, of God upon this place. And the Lord comes to this church as this church somewhere along the way, listen now, had left its founding principles. A lot of times people will ask when they come to our church, what exactly, what kind of church is this? What does this church believe? I had some folks stop yesterday and they were asking me some things about the church, and they come from a little bit of a different church background. And some of you that are here now maybe came from, like myself, came from a different church background. And look, can I tell you that this truly is a Bible church. We believe the Word of God is true, and that the principles that our church was founded upon is the Word of God. And as long as I'm here as the pastor, we're not leaving those principles. We're not leaving the Word of God. But the church in Thyatira somewhere along the way, had left those principles. And when you leave the principles of the Word of God, what's going to happen is you're going to be on a direct course with falling in love with the world. That's exactly what the church in Thyatira found themselves doing. So there's a lesson here today. Certainly, we're not living between 600 and 1500 A.D. We're not the church in Thyatira, but God's Word is here for us to learn something from it this morning and what you and I need to say is, God, what are you trying to show us? What do you want Bible Baptist Church, what do you want a Christian here this morning to learn from this letter to this church in Thyatira? Notice, first of all, his commendation for their service. You see, the Bible says in verse 19, he says, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. See, I see the commendation that he gives for their service. In, in other words, I sense in verse number 19 that the Lord is taking notice of what they had been doing. He is, he is paying attention. He's actually praising them because they were busy. The Bible mentions there, he says, I know thy works. If you study it out, you find that they were very busy in what is known as benevolence, trying to meet the needs of other people. Hey, listen, folks, that's what a church should be like. Uh, we're here to be a blessing to other people, to try to help people 
with needs, and oftentimes I find it's needs greater than my own. And Jesus says to this church in Thyatira, I commend you because of your works, because you are busy, and they were burdened. He, the word here, their service, they were a group of people. You see, here's what it literally means. They just went from one task to the other, to the other, to the other. I mean, I, I told my wife, I said, we had been up here all week working on this stuff for vacation Bible school, and it was getting on late in the week, and I mean, the castle was looking good, and I said to my wife, I think I better start preparing my messages. I mean, if I'm not careful, I love building things, you know? But, but somewhere along the way, I realize I'm not a builder, I'm a pastor, you know? I need to get in the Word of God. I need to spend some time with the Lord. And listen, this was a church that was busy in their ministries. They, they were active in their community. They were, they were busy, their works, their service, they were burdened down. And so he commends them for their ministries, but notice he commended them for their motives. I mean, what was it that was behind what they were doing? Why were they doing? Look, sometimes you look at people and they're busy and they've got a burden, but here's what I ask myself a lot of times is, why is he doing what he's doing why is she involved in what she's involved in? And I want you to think about that because certainly I see that they had a heart of charity. Notice the word charity there. It's the word agape. If you're familiar with that word, it's we get our English word love from that word agape. There are words in the Bible that describe love. The word agape is the kind of love that describes the love that God has for us. Now, here's the difference. You might love me today, and you might not love me tomorrow. Some of you might not like me at the end of this message. But you know what God's agape love is? It's an unconditional love. It's kind of like this. The Bible says in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world. Hey, you know what we are? We're all sinners. The only difference is some of us are sinners saved by the grace of God. When I look at this group of people that he was commending, certainly they had many ministries going on, but their motives were, just like Paul's, the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all, look at this, all were dead. So when you, you look at this church here, the question is, did they simply love their fellow man, or did they love God? I've met many people, even Christians, who love others, but they don't love God the way they should. Now, to me, if I love the Lord, I will love others. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Some people are easier to love than others, aren't they? You know? But you think about this is that one of the reasons he commended them was because of their ministries, but also their motives. They, they were busy for the Lord, but they had a heart of charity. They had a heart of consecration. Look at the word there. It says, it mentions their faith. He says, I know thy faith. You know what that means? They were faithful. Folks, do you know what it means to be faithful? I see a lot of times when it comes to uh, churches and I see people getting involved, sometimes people are, are very faithful and other times people don't want to get involved at all. 
uh, they, they've got a principle called the 80-20 rule, and it goes like this, that 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. That ought not to be so in, in the work of God, because the love of Christ constraineth us. But when you look at the church in Thyatira, guess what? There were plenty of people that were willing to work. I think about Hebrews 6.10, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Can I tell you this morning that the greatest ability is dependability? Just be in your place. Now look, it's not, God's given me, according to the word of God, God's given me what the Bible calls the oversight. Now, I'm not here to lord over people. I'm just here as an under-shepherd. That's all I'm here as. But as a pastor, a lot of times, as a pastor, look, if I had 100 sheep, and I started counting them, and I get to 98, 99, okay, there's one missing. You know the Bible passage. He left the 99 and went and found the one, didn't he? So if I'm up here and I'm, as a pastor, I don't see Brother Vaughn sitting out there, I don't automatically start thinking bad thoughts. I start thinking, okay, why is he not here? Where is he at? Because he needs to be in his place. Some of you have never heard of pastoring before. I can tell by the look on your face. Now listen, when you get a note from the pastor, that doesn't mean pastor was playing I spy. That means he knows the best thing for you to do is to be in the flock, to be in the house of God, to be under the word of God, because the word of God is what's going to change your lives. It's not me. I'm not here to make you accountable. Listen, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You know, you think about how important it is to see that he was commending them because of their motives, and they, they loved the work that God had given to them. He was commending them for their service. Notice not only their ministries, their motives, but how about this, their maturity. Now look back at verse 19. I want you to see this. It says, notice, I know thy, what's that next word? Come on, talk to me. I know thy works. Now look on in the verse. Because at the end of the verse, he says again, and thy works, the last to be more than the first. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. How the Lord put that in there. He mentioned works twice. Here's what he's talking about is he's talking about their maturity. He's talking about their outreach. He's talking about their influence, how they're ministering to others. And look, it wasn't like that they had not increased in their ministry to other people. They were doing more than they were doing before. You with me this morning? You, you think about our church. Listen, as God continues to bless, what we ought to, as a church, say is, look, let us continue to go outside the walls of this church. Let's continue to serve God. Let's continue to try to meet the needs of other people. It's not about us. It's about others. Our lives should be lived for others. I, think, I met a guy years ago in California, and I was talking to him. He was a saved man, best I could tell. And he said to me, he says, yep, I've been going to the same church for 30 years. And he says, in every year for those 30 years, it's been the same 60 people. And I thought, how pathetic. Are there not other people that need the Lord? Is there not a world out there that is dying and going to hell? Does not someone care? See, the Lord was commending them. And you and I need to understand that the Bible says, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding 
in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Some of you need to remember that verse, put it to memory so that on Wednesday and Thursday of VBS when you're thinking, why am I doing this? These kids are driving me crazy. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Can I tell you, it will be worth it all? I mean, Brother Chris prayed this morning and said, listen, if one boy or girl comes to Christ, it'll be worth it. You know, all this, all this time, we had some kids come in the other day and they were looking at this and we didn't have any of this foam on, we didn't have any of the paint on. There was just a couple of little one-bys standing up here. And to me, honestly, it just looked like a little pile of wood sticks is what it looked like. And these kids walked in the auditorium and went, whoa. I'm thinking, man, they get that excited about a couple sticks. What are they going to do when we get some stuff on it, get some paint on it, and start doing some other stuff around here? Listen, we need to be increasing our potential, what God has given to us, just like the church in Thyatira. Listen, this was a busy church. It was one that was motivated. And when you look at a church, listen, churches exist for three reasons. I think they're in your notes there. The first reason that we exist is to edify the saints. And that means to build up the saints, but it goes beyond that because the church also should be evangelizing the sinner. And most of all, we should be exalting the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the whole business of the church. God did not save us to be lazy Christians. You know why he saved you? To serve him. That's what the Bible says here in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I see some people, listen, even Christians, and they just, they're just happy being a pew warmer, you know? Well, bless me, God, get off that little pew. Maybe what we need to do is be like that mother eagle and stir up the nest and make sure some sticks are pointing, poking up. Maybe we shouldn't have got those comfortable chairs so that people actually would get up and serve God. Listen, folks, I'm going to tell you something. This week, the only way Vacation Bible School is going to happen this week is if everybody pitches in and everybody does something. I think about it, you know, they, they, there were these two guys that were walking along and they were thinking about how lazy people were and they came upon these three bums laying there in an alley. And they thought, I wonder which one of these bums is the laziest. So one of the guys said, I'll tell you which one's the laziest. He pulled a $20 bill out of his pocket and he says, he says hey, he says, any of you guys want a $20 bill? And the, one of the bums stood up and he says, yeah, I'll take that. And he says, you're not the laziest. And the other, guy, the other bum's laying there and he kind of rolled over and looked up and he says, here, put that in my pocket. He says, he goes, you're not the laziest. And the other guy just laid there, never said anything. He goes, that's the laziest one right there. That's the way some Christians are is they don't want to do anything for God. And listen, when I think about how he commended this church, he commended them for their service. But interesting, because it doesn't stop there. When you move on in this letter, it moves from his commendation for their service to his confrontation for their sin. Because notice, like we saw in other letters, he says, I have something against thee. You know, I think about that in verse number 20. I have a few things. You know, hey, listen, everything sounds good. They're serving God, but there's just a couple things. Has the Lord ever done that in your life the way he does in mine? Hey, listen, you're, you're going to church, you're tithing, uh, you, you're praying, and then the Lord says, wait a minute, I understand all that, but there's a few other things that uh, we need to talk about. And the Lord seems to bring things up, doesn't he? Because he sees everything. And I want you to think, because when you think about sin and how people deal with it, the Bible says here clearly 
that the sin was in the church. I'm not talking about the world. The sin was in the church, folks. And the Bible talks about it when there's sin in the camp, when there's something that doesn't belong in our lives, God cannot bless. If we're going into vacation Bible school and we want God's hand of blessing, if there's something in your heart or my heart, we need to get that out of our hearts so that God can bless and use us this week. That's, that was one of the things that he had against this church in Thyatira. It's much like the days of Joshua. Remember how they were going in and God had sent them into the land? And listen, God was going before them. But the Bible says when they got to Joshua 7 and verse 13, he says in that verse, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. Remember how old Achan just had sticky fingers? Just couldn't leave it alone, could he? Just had to have it. And the church at Thyatira, listen, was like a lot of churches. It looked good on the outside, but on the inside, it was a different story. I love this little statement, a mule dressed in a tuxedo is still a mule. You can dress up a person all you want, put a nice suit, tie on, put a nice dress on, but if there's something on the inside that doesn't belong there, that doesn't please God. He says, I've got something against you. That's what, that's what he confronts them about. He comes to them to confront them of their sin. Notice he confronts their teacher. Notice what it says here in verse number 20. The Bible says he calls that, that woman Jezebel. Oh, there's a word right there, Jezebel. I've never met a girl named Jezebel. I've, I've met a few people that could honestly have been a Jezebel. If you know enough in the Bible, and I won't give you a whole history lesson this morning, but Jezebel was the wicked daughter of a Gentile king. Her whole life was devoted to Baal worship. She was wicked. She was into idolatry, immorality. And listen, it wasn't enough for Jezebel to be involved in that, but she wanted to pull everybody else into it along with her. That's exactly what was happening here in Thyatira. The Bible talks about Jezebel's life in 1 Kings 18 and verse 19. Look, the Bible says, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel into Mount Carmel. Remember when, she, uh, when Elijah was there on Mount Carmel and they had the, the big standoff there on Mount Carmel. Listen to what the Bible says. I want you to, it says, The prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400. Now that's 850 in case you can't do math. But listen to the end of the verse, which eat at Jezebel's table. All those prophets of Baal, all those prophets of the groves, they were sitting at Jezebel's table, eating with her. She was influencing them. And when Jezebel came to Israel, guess what she did? She brought her perverted religion with her. And I'm going to tell you something, that's exactly what people will try to do is to bring their perverted religion inside the church, which is what was happening in Thyatira. If we're not careful, if we don't stand by the Word of God, if we don't hold to the truth of the Word of God, then we will see the same thing because there are so many people in our day, just like Jezebel's husband, weak King Ahab, what he did was he allowed this to happen. He followed her God instead of, excuse me, God's, Instead of Jehovah God, the Bible says about, about him, there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness 
in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. Now, what a weak-kneed man. You know, she was, she was running things, controlling his life. And so Jezebel came to be identified with wickedness and idolatry. I mean, the Bible here, look at verse number 20. Here's what it says. I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Notice, as the Bible describes her here, what we see is that the Bible's describing her sin. She calls herself a prophetess. And you don't have to tell somebody. You know, if, if you're the boss, guess what? You don't have to tell people you're the boss. But she called herself a prophetess. She was guilty of leading people away from worshiping the true God. The Christians there in Thyatira, remember I told you that they had unionized and they were a part of all these different trades in the city. And many times there was sacrifices given to, to Jezebel's gods and they found themselves as Christians in a dilemma because they did not want to participate. Some of you are going to experience that if you haven't already when it comes Christmas time and they want to have the company Christmas party. And everybody just hooting and hollering and partying it up and drinking this and doing that, and you're going to be faced with a dilemma, am I going to partake of that or am I going to abstain from that and keep myself as unto the Lord? And the Bible says here that Jezebel had brought this perversion along with her and her husband had gone right along with it and her sin is described here. But the Bible says in Acts 15, abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication from which... If you keep yourselves, ye shall do well. And the Bible says, fare ye well. See, saved people, listen to me, saved people do not indulge in the things of this world. I'm just going to say that again. Saved people do not indulge. My, my daughter last night, she says, she's talking to her husband, she says, hey, listen, stop and get some ice cream. It's like 8 o'clock at night. And then it wasn't bad enough. They're talking about those Magnum bars. Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. They actually have a one called Magnum Indulgence. Oh, there's no calories in that. It's dipped in like six different things. Goes straight to the heart, you know. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, when is he going to get home? I need one of those. I have to have it. And then you know what I realized? I need to go to bed. I don't, I don't even know if the ice cream made it home. And if it did, I hope they ate it all because I'll be weak when I get home. I'll probably want one of those things. You know, I, I think about how many people choose to ignore the dangers of indulging. I read this account. And I'm going to date myself here. Some of you, about 20% of you will get this illustration. The rest of you will be like, who's that? But Edwin Cooper was famous across America, yet almost no one really knew his real name. Cooper began performing it before audiences when he was just nine years old. He became fixture on television in the 1950s as Bozo the Clown. In addition to entertaining both young and old, Cooper had the, this message that he would always share with his buddies and partners every week. 
and he would tell them, get checked for cancer. Every week he would say that. Yet Cooper was so busy working that he neglected to follow his own advice. By the time his cancer was discovered, it was too late for it to be treated. Edwin Cooper died just 41 years of age from a disease that he had warned many others to watch out for. And can I tell you that sin is far deadlier than the most aggressive and growing cancer in the world today. Somebody put it this way, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you're willing to pay. The Bible says in Romans 6, 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. But this Jezebel, and by the way, the name there isn't just, it's not a literal person. It's talking about this matter of wickedness, this false teaching that was going on in Thyatira. Here's, listen, you see if this sounds familiar. She was telling people in the church that they could hold to their pagan beliefs and still serve the Lord. And so many Christians today have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And God says, listen, there is no communion between light and darkness. That there ought to be a distinct difference between God's people. God said, I am holy, therefore be ye holy. And so many today think there's nothing wrong with indulging in this world. And the church at Thyatira, they began to compromise to attract the world. James said, ye adulteresses and adulterers, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now folks, I'm going to tell you this morning, churches, here's what they're preaching today. And excuse me if I offend somebody. But they'll say something like this, hey, just come as you are. It doesn't make any difference how you live, just as long as you believe. And they're telling people that, hey, we'll accept you just as you are. Listen, folks, I'm going to tell you, there's not a person in this world that couldn't walk through those doors and be welcomed at our church. But I pray to God that they would leave different than the way they came. See, churches today are so accepting of the world and the way the world lives. And listen, folks, you do understand if you allow enough of the world to come into the church and it never leaves, that before long the church is going to be the world. There will be no difference between what's going on inside. And by the way, we don't have the corner on the market, folks. It's not so that we can say, hey, look who we are. No, it's so that we can say, look who our God is. And the church in Thyatira was struggling with this accepting the world. Notice what the Bible says here. Look at the word. The word seduce. That's what they were doing. You know what the word means? It means to cause to roam. To lead in the wrong path. To lead away from the right path. And what this Jezebel was doing was she was leading them into immorality. Notice the word fornication. You know what the word is originally in God's word? The word is pornea. I think you know what word we get in our English language from that. There was a lot of sexual activity going on, a lot of immorality. There was prostituting of one's body, and many today claim to be saved, but they still want to do what they want to do. They want to be involved in lascivious lifestyle, and they want to be involved in all kinds of things. 
like drugs and alcohol and uh, homosexuality. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's a God in heaven in the Word of God that will help us to understand that God wants us to be different from this old world. Listen, I'm, I hope you understand my heart this morning. I don't know what's in your heart, but I love you and God loves you. If there's something in our lives, listen, I want to get back to the place where the Lord commends us, where the Lord praises His church instead of having to confront us about sin in our lives. And this Jezebel, we see here how that uh, the Bible says, it come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. We need to be a holy people. Listen, the Word of God, I believe as you study it, that the Bible teaches us that in Christ we have liberty. But listen, our liberty is not a license to sin. A lot of people say, well, listen, I, I've been saved. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have a home in heaven according to the word of God. And then they just go on and live however they want. Now, listen, one saved, always saved. But you will stand before a holy God one day and give an account of the life you lived. But here's what always gets me. Is I don't ever want to be a stumbling block. To cause other people to fall over my poor testimony. And that's exactly what was happening in Thyatira. You see, Jezebel, her sin was being exposed. And notice, her stubbornness was denounced. Look at verse 21. Jesus says, I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Listen, doesn't that excite you? Listen to me. Doesn't that excite you that as wicked as this Jezebel was this false teaching in the church of Thyatira that you can still see the grace of God. That, listen, with all that she was doing, with all that was being taught, he says, I gave her space to repent. But she was stubborn. She, would not, she refused. And the Lord's patience wore out. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, it says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Listen, I'm going to tell you, God is patient, and God is love, but God is also just. And so we see here that her stubbornness is denounced, and her sentence was declared. Look what it says in verse 22. I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Notice again there, the grace of God, and I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know. Look at the example he's going to make out of her and out of all them that follow her. He says, I'm the God that searches the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Look, the Lord was not pleased with what was going on here. And he says, they're going to go, she will go, and all those that go with her into the great tribulation. You study the word of God, you know what that means? Those people aren't saved. Because those of us that are saved, you study the word of God, we won't be around to go through the tribulation. See, he's talking here about people that do not know Christ as their Savior. Those that are not saved are still under the wrath of Almighty God. Can I tell you this morning that if you are not saved, you've never had a time in your life that you've asked the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sin and come into your heart, listen, do not put that off one minute longer Come to Christ today and accept the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And notice, he confronts their teacher, but secondly, he confronts their tolerance. Look back in verse number 20. He says, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest. You're allowing this. 
He was not pleased because they were allowing this false teaching. They allowed the position of leadership. They were tolerating the lies that were going on that the truth was not being taught. Hey, why is it that we tolerate some things in this world but other things we don't? For instance, how about this? There's no room for toleration in a laboratory. Water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. It never boils at 100 degrees nor 189 degrees, but always at 212. Water freezes at 32 degrees, not at 23 or 31. Objects heavier than air always go down, never up. For mathematics, the sum of 2 plus 2 is always 4, not 3, not 3.5, not 2. Look, a compass will always point to the magnetic north. But why is it that somehow we tolerate that all roads lead to heaven? They don't. Many times people believe that lie, the lie of the devil, the lie of Jezebel. Notice the word here again, sufferest, you're suffering. It means to tolerate, to permit, to allow. Can I tell you that sin always needs to be dealt with. Hey, listen, you know what Jesus did when he died on the cross? He dealt with sin. And in your life and mine, when there's sin in the camp, we need to deal with it or we will never have God's blessings on our lives. The Bible says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Hey, listen, if you give the devil an inch, you know what he'll take? A mile. We have to make sure that we keep a short account. You can call me old-fashioned all you want, but I still believe that God expects his people to be different from this world. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. It says, my son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. Enter enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many there be that go in thereat. Look, when we compromise with the world, you know what we're doing? We're turning our backs on the truth. That's what we're doing. Don't be surprised if the Lord walks out of his church if you and I open the door to let the world in. I'd much rather have the Lord here. If the Lord is not here, guess what? We're not having church. And we need the Lord. The Thyatira church established, was established to bring God's word into a pagan city and they, they began right. They were doing things well for a while, but somehow they got off the right path. And I'm going to tell you, churches will pay a heavy price for loving the world. Peter said, the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? You know what's going to happen? God will remove his presence and his power. And you know what God will write over the door? Ichabod. The glory of the Lord is departed. You see, he confronted them about their sin. But I love the Lord because before he closes this letter, he challenges the saints. And I want you to see this. See, not everybody, and this is what I want you to get, not everybody at Thyatira had bought into these lies. Not everybody was following this Jezebel. Not everybody had walked away from the Lord. It was kind of like in the days of Elijah. Remember where he thought, hey, listen, it's just me. I'm the only one that's standing for God. (laughs) And God reminded him, hey, listen, I've left 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal. Folks, this morning, we need to understand, first of all, our duty. What is our duty? The Lord gives some hope here and 
some comfort for those that were struggling in Thyatira. And look at verse 24. He says, Unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine. In other words, you haven't believed the lies. He says, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak. I will put upon you none other burden, but that ye have already hold fast till I come. I love that verse there. You know what that, I believe that verse is talking about the rapture. The Lord says, hey, listen, one day he says, I'm going to come for my own. But until that time, he's telling those in Thyatira, and he's telling us today, listen, stay the course. Stay away from that which is evil. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Just because everyone around us is doing it, just because they claim there's a new path, that doesn't make it right. And what you and I need to do is just stand. You know, in this evil day, with all that's going on and everybody saying, hey, look, have you tried this? Have you looked at this? Have you used this Bible verse? Have, have you tried this version of the Word of God? Hey, listen, I think I'll just stay with something that works. You know, if it's not broke, then let's just keep using it. See, we need to understand, like they did in Thyatira, their duty, but notice also their destiny. The Bible says in verse 26, And he that overcometh keepeth my works unto the end, and to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a porter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And by the way, you study that out, a lot of times we think, boy, it's going to be great. I'm going to get to rule and reign. Did you notice the personal pronoun he? He will rule. He will reign. We just, look here, we just get to come along for the ride. <laughs> but when I look at that, I see our destiny. How, what does he want us to do? He wants us to be faithful, remain faithful, that we will rule with him. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.12, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, we shall also, uh, he, he also will deny us. And listen, folks, look, every one of us need to understand what our duty is and what our destiny is, but notice also their deliverance. He, look at the promise he makes in verse 28. And I will give him the morning star. What a promise. And when you study the word of God, what you find here is Jesus is promising himself to them. He's promising, hey, listen, I will come to you. I will be with you. He's telling them that even during the worst of times, there is hope. John 1, 5, the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness, folks, can I tell you, will not last forever. The Lord is coming soon. I can't wait for the Lord to come. The songwriter wrote, he's coming soon. There's no doubt. I'm going to leave this old world with a shout. Soon I'll be gone and things will be right. Just keep looking up. It may be tonight. Hey, listen, folks, that'd be okay with me. You know, pastor, we wouldn't be able to have vacation Bible school. That'd be all right. We wouldn't have to take the castle down. That'd be all right. I'm going to tell you, I'm looking forward to that. And that's the hope that he gives them. But listen, here's what he does. He challenges the church. See, folks, this morning, what is it that the Lord can commend us about? What is it that God would praise us for? Our works, our service, our compassion for this world? But does the Lord say to you and say to me, but I have a few things. There's some things that are not right. Are we letting too much of the world into our lives? 
Are we willing to come out from among them and be separate? And those of us that are, that haven't bought into the lies of this world, hey, listen, there's hope. Everybody else is doing it. Hey, I think about how many people are in our church today that used to be attending another church that no longer has Wednesday night, Sunday night. They don't sing the hymns. They've changed their Bible version. When you walk in the door, you can't tell if it's a nightclub or a church house. The music is playing so loud, all the fixtures are vibrating. The Word of God is never opened. Somebody's just up there trying to tickle people's ears so that they feel good about themselves. Folks, I'm not here to make anybody feel bad. But I'll tell you this, when the Word of God speaks to me, and I see some things that the Lord has against me, I want to get those things right. Because I want to be a part of a church that God can bless and God can use. They struggled at Thyatira. You know why? Because there was pressure. If we don't participate, we could lose our job. If we don't participate, we might end up suffering. But listen, God is faithful to his children. Let's bow our heads this morning with our heads bowed. Pretty sobering letter. The Lord's saying, are you in love with me this morning? Are you in love with the world? How many of you could say, Pastor, God spoke to me about something in the message this morning. God put his finger on something in my life. Would you be honest with the Lord this morning with our heads bowed? Would you slip your hand up? The Lord spoke to me about something. Would you slip your hand up this morning? Many hands across this auditorium this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we just saw in the passage people who are going to go into a period known as the Great Tribulation because they don't, they've never accepted Christ. If you're here today, Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you so that you can have a home in heaven someday. Don't be like those that repented not in the days of the church of Thyatira. Would you, would you come to the Lord this morning and receive the gift of eternal life? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you be honest with the Lord this morning? No one's looking around. Would you say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven, but I want to know. Would you slip your hand up this morning? And I'll pray for you in just a moment. Pastor, I'm not saved. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? You can put it up and put it right back down. Anyone at all this morning? And if you are saved, is the Lord commending you today? Is the Lord confronting you today? Is the Lord challenging you today? Lord, thank you for this letter to the church in Thyatira. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, that we would be discerning to only listen to the truth, that this would be a church not just for 67 years, but Lord, until you come back, that we would stay to the truth, that we would remain faithful, 
We look forward to that day of the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me with our heads?